Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Untitled Film Podcast with Callum and Johnny. I'm Johnny. And I'm Callum. And uh, this week's episode is a remote episode uh, due to the unfortunate circumstances of me having some horrible lurgy. Uh, as Quite probably the COVID. But I am mustering through. He's I a brave soldier. Many days of bed rest have watched couple of movies to do this i've watched quite a lot of movies but i've watched a couple in particular for this podcast so we're gonna go for it um if i am quieter with more coffee than normal that's why um but callum if people want to see my progress uh on my health they probably won't because we probably won't post anything about it on on no, uh, probably not. Socials. No. But where, if we, if we were to do such a if thing, we were, where would you be able to find it? If we were to post about Johnny's ill health and his bedridden state, you would just go to Instagram or Facebook and type in Untitled Film Podcast, all one word, and there you would see a man dying and begging for attention. If you wanted to pay a man child with a large iq but a small penis eight dollars a month to have a blue tick next to your name um uh, where would you go to find that well you'd go to myspace.com and uh you'd find us there somewhere i don't know oh you Um, mean twitter i do mean twitter oh gosh yeah Uh, um, (laughs) as we've said in previous episodes we do have a twitter it just never gets used never gets used and i can't even remember the title no, they wouldn't let us have a long enough one. We, they wouldn't allow us Untitled Film Podcast or something like that. And I think Untitled Film Pod was taken, I think. And so I had to kind of go for a 
really not good name as the uh, backup and it was just it was bad it was sort of stilted from the beginning and sort of glad now given what's happened sort of glad that twitter is being flushed down the toilet well kind of that happened not long after we we got the twitter so i think we just were like <clears throat> nah not for us not some for us. could say we may have been the cause some could say indeed be inaccurate but th- they could say that <laughs> I want that rumour started. According to Elon, Twitter's the busiest it's ever been. Whoa. Yeah. It's halved in value, but it's the busiest it's ever been. <laughs> and he's got these ma- major plans to turn it into like tenfold. We're going to get those people back. Mm, I believe it when I see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to go the way of MySpace and Bebo at this rate. I think you're right. I think the problem is as well, it's now just full of, it's either businesses who don't really say a lot, or it's really, really right-wing people, or really, really left-wing people, and anyone sensible on there just gets shouted at from both sides. So it's just like it's just a it, it's a messy mess. And even if it wasn't owned by Elon, it was kind of headed that way anyway because yeah, it's only elder millennials and sad old boomers on there now. I think the problem is he's fucked up the algorithms even worse though, isn't he? But he certainly hey, sped it up. Hey ho, we're not here to talk about Twitter. No, let's talk about some films, some lovely, lovely films. And I think that brings us very neatly to the news. It's news time with Callum and Johnny. Do, 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 no. do. <laughs> I still have the power to mute you, I think. It's, it's better than the last one, at least. Actually, I, I think I can, can, can mute you even better. <laughs> Completely muted. Duh. Bliss. <laughs> I think you have to turn your own microphone back on. I can't do it. <laughs> just watching silence right now no no on the on the screen on the screen yep that, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the joys of remote working yeah because i can't shout at you across the room like when you turn my microphone off before i could just yell at you and it will still get picked up a bit i don't think it yeah but it doesn't now does it, it just, no not now pure no, not here pure silence please someone say <laughs> Anyway, I'm going for the first piece of news this week because last week you I snaked you, snaked mine. So I think this week I might snake one of I yours. I think you hopefully. might. I think you might. So where's this Anderson? Oh no! Oh, <laughs> I have maybe I've got a couple of others. That well, that's true. Yours later on, but we'll find maybe. out. Where's Anderson? Has finally released a trailer, and I don't think there was a title before, uh, and also a massive cast list for his new movie. I think I'm right in saying they were filming this in Spain at some point um, in the not too distant future. I remember hearing about them doing it, but it is not set in Spain. It's set in America, back on homeland after quite a long time tra- traveling around the world. Uh, he has released a movie called Asteroids, releasing a movie called Asteroid City. Have you seen this, color? I have. It looks really fun. It has a very postcard look. It does. So it's kind of kind of that, I would say, 60, 50s, 50s, I want to say 50s kind of Americana vibe. Um, uh, like you say, that kind of like those classic postcards you'd get of like Atlanta or um, Idaho or whatever. It's just uh, nice to see something obviously shot on film. Yeah, it's and it, 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 the trailer's got um, even says like Kodak in big writing. Yeah, I noticed that. Shot on, I think, like, it's not Kodachrome because that's a photography film but yeah it's it's shot on a you know kind of it also really seems cool... that bill murray is playing no sorry um tom hanks, hanks is, is playing, playing bill murray playing bill murray playing I thought that whatever character bill murray was going to play yeah i kind of thought that um 
which will be interesting to see. Uh, unfortunately, obviously, Bill Murray's a little bit persona, I say unfortunately, deserved it, but a bit persona non grata now in the film industry. So I suspect yes. that was why that decision came in. And old Uncle Hank, lucky swept into to save the day um but no it's about a a small town asteroid city it's a bit kind of um oh, what's the uh, area 51 what's the, the town near there but, oh um roswell roswell nevada yeah no new mexico new mexico sorry um although i think area 51's nevada anyway it's that kind of vibe those kind of places little kind of out of town places where people like to talk about aliens and have like in the side of the road motels and things that are all alien themed and little gift shops and stuff. But it's that kind of place in the fifties, but actually aliens turn up and I think the government stop everyone leaving and keep them there. And there's a famous film actress, there's a family that's got some shit going on. Um, and, and a whole cast of other wacky people. It's got all of the people you'd normally expect in Wes Anderson films, apart from Bill Murray. Um, as well as some other interesting people. Uh, I think Fisher Stevens is in it now as well. Oh, that's um, cool. Brian, I like him. Brian Cranston, who's a, a good get. Um, Scar Joe. It's nice to see Jason Schwartzman playing his first leading role in a Wes Anderson film in something, well, ages. I think maybe yeah. um, Rushmore, because um, I, I think maybe Rushmore was the last time he played a, a leading man because he'd always been a supporting guy in his other movies. Yep. Jeffrey Wright's back as well after being in a couple of his movies. Nice. And then you're kind of into the the standard fare. You've got Tilda Swinton, Edward Norton, Adrian Brody, Margot Robbie. Actually, Margot Robbie's a new one. Margot Robbie, Will Defoe, Steve Carell. Oh, Steve Carell's another new one. There's a big names in this. Uh, Stephen Park, Liev Schreiber, uh, Rupert Friend, Matt Dillon, uh, Hong, Cha- uh, Hong Chao, Jeff Goldblum, Jake Ryan... Uh, yeah just just full of people we sun, like really. yeah we like yeah. The, all these people Jarvis Cocker's back it's not I don't think the only piece of Wes Anderson news I think the other piece of Wes Anderson news is that he is um doing a animated film or series for Netflix too so oh, nice. it's been quite a busy Wes Anderson filled week yeah I think this has been in production for quite a while. I think one thing I said, oh, it's only so it said something along the lines of it's only going to be a year or so between two Wes Anderson films. That's unusual. But I think what everyone forgets is that um, the French Dispatch was meant to come out in 2020 and then yes, of got course, delayed by delayed, like 18 months or so. So I think, yeah, I think it's kind of the normal gap. But he does sometimes do this where we'll have an animated film on the go while doing a and a live action as well so but no for fans of wes like me this looks to be an interesting year very very interesting and um to bring us back around to margot robbie the new trailer for barbie has just dropped co-written by noah baumbach which is another wes anderson uh, regular and um his ex-wife greta gerwig is writing and directing it's looking more like the lego movie and less like the emoji movie because you know, yeah, you I, never I, I know st- where one can go with these product movies this is very, looks it's very played ironically and pretty much every person i follow film twitter as uh, and film instagram and all my film friends are going absolutely bananas over this um it looks very I kind funny of, i kind of think when i first saw when i saw the first trailer and saw those photos i was like what are they doing what are they trying to get out of this i don't quite understand where they're they're 
going with it. And then having seen this the second one, I, the, yeah, it, it the, does the look tone it, it seems The tone seems funny. Yeah. It seems ridiculous. The it Beach Boys in the trailer has, was a very good um, use, use of music there. Uh, it looks like uh, Will Ferrell might be playing a similar-ish part to as what he, he was in the Lego, Lego movie. movie. <laughs> yeah, I thought that as well. So, like he's you, know, you can see there's a lot of um, sort of fans of of that kind of storytelling. You know, uh, Greta Gerwig is a very smart, uh, very good writer, director, mm-hmm. and Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling. And again, talking about another massive cast, they also released all the character posters. And I think oh everybody who's yeah. popular right now is in this movie. And some people who... At the end of the trailer as well, it just goes like... And even some people had no idea about like Michael Sarah and America Ferreira. Michael Sarah's yeah. the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, he, 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 I think he's playing like that doll that you can get that's neither Ken nor Barbie. He's sort of like the sad, also ran guy. The guy that's sort of like um, that you'd give you the little sister who you got the, the um, knockoff toys, I think, because his poster says, he's just this guy and he's the only one who's not a Ken or a Barbie mm. or a real person. So that looks fun. And I like how everybody is Ken or Barbie and they're all just different forms of Ken or Barbie. Mm-hmm. This was my second piece of news, but it's not a major issue because I actually came oh, it was. prepared. Oh, cool. It was. Um, but it, I came prepared with some extra ones because I thought we may fall you may upon the same me. pieces of news. Um, let's, which one should I do? I've got two quite small ones. Okay. Let's do, let's do the new Spider-Man trailer. Ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Spider-Man into the... Sp- Spider-Verse? Across the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man movies have the most confusing names these days because they try and be the many same. Of them. But they also they try and be the same, but they aren't the same, if that makes sense. Like they try and like go with such a similar theme and change like one word, and it's really annoying. Like the home theme. Yeah, exactly. Homecoming, home far That actually home. leads to the one thing in this trailer that I didn't like. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll let you explain it first. But yeah, anyway, um, the tra- new trailer's out. It looks very good. Starts to actually give us a bit of a story because the other ones just were like bits of footage that look cool. Um, it, yeah, kind of, you see some 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 of the storyline starting to come out and it looks excellent, I think, is the, the only way we really yes. to describe it. Yes. The only thing I would say is, and again, I might be massively wrong, the thing that I think they're trying to set up as the big bad don't i don't know if that's strong enough but anyway we'll see that it might not be it might just be a red herring at this point anyway the um uh, the the one character played by oscar isaac you mean um no or maybe there was something i missed then in the mm. carnage of the trailer but maybe i'll just leave that to i mean i think he's the one that everyone assumes is the big bad yeah that's what i thought the way that i i, I think the story will obviously go going by one of the other characters and their negative attitude of the trailer Oh, I see. Yes, no, I think I do. Yeah, okay. And this is uh, the cryptic podcast. Anyway, say, what was it you didn't like in the trailer? I don't didn't like that they brought they referenced um, 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I'm kind of tired. I'm I've got to the point oh, yeah, where I want that to fuck to off. Like... There, there is one joke where they go, oh, not to mention what that Doctor Strange and that Spider Man from Universe blah 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 got up to, and like no zero nine nine, yeah, no, don't leave it alone. I don't want to hear anything more about this gray think... flat. I think mushy appear, universe it? leave it let it die now i'm tired of the mcu i think it'll appear in it personally but that's for the birds yeah I'm sure. i I'm, i wouldn't be surprised i'm pretty sure now that... hopefully it's minimal because I, yeah. I, i'm tired of the mcu and the gray beige shit boring cinema uh they, yeah i think it, it would be okay they finished if they made they... some okay movies you could mm. uh, say okay well slightly mushy cinematography blands all that rest of it but it has been a bit shit well i think that's it i think before they're they very bland looking movies i've never liked them i've never from that point of view i've never liked the fight scenes the, you occasionally get someone like um uh like um i my brain someone to say what's his name the the, the thor love and thunder and oh stuff. like taika watiti taika watiti and or james gunnin who give it a little bit of a more interesting flair but they're all shot in it's, it's a bit akin to how all netflix things look the same in the same color palette and that bugs the shit out of me i'm like let cinematographers be cinematographers that one makes me interested in things and fo- like fox anything shot on fox looks the same like really mm-hmm. flat coloring and stuff but anyway that's that's another round yes it is another it's day. another thing and but, well, i'm sure we'll talk about a marvel movie <laughs> or maybe guardians of the galaxy it's come it's just around the corner so yeah true because i'm struggling to watch them at the minute <laughs> bland yeah i, I tried to watch not, um no the thing is they used to have good storylines that i was invested in and then they finished the infinity saga and then they just haven't really tv side of things is a bit more interesting but on the film side of things they and haven't done anything with everything going on with sense. um jonathan majors the kang odyssey looks a bit in trouble at the moment mm. yeah we shall see um although dc doesn't look much better because some of their new trailers look fucking yeah, tired. blue beetle looks pretty awful really does but uh, they just need to i thought what they need to do is just pause make apart from into the spider whatever the spider verse this one is um they just need to pause making superhero movies for like three or four years and just let like all the writers catch up and spend some time writing some really good scripts maybe get some new cinematographers in well we're in an interesting stage because it used to be a guarantee these films would make money now they still do sometimes but then there are ones that don't and it's shown the chinks in the armor and now that that's kind of been shown it might be at, we're at a place kind of just at the top of the decline like when westerns you'd still get a big hit western like true grit in the early 60s but then the decline kind of showed that they weren't a guaranteed hit you'd have to really pull out all the stops to make it a hit mm-hmm. so we could we could be in that place yeah yeah, or, it's a bit, I suppose it, it, if it gets to the point like Star Wars did, where they just they don't have enough momentum behind it to to yeah, maybe. doing it, then then they might they might might get to that place. But who knows? Anywho, who what, knows? <laughs> as I swooped in and stole your second piece of news this week, yes, yes, yes you did. Um, do you have a second piece? I didn't have one stored, so uh, yeah, that's that's it, I guess. Well, we've done quite a long news segment this week, so we we'll have. move on to the main event. Should I set up the two films? Go for it. 
Okay, so uh, the new film we have uh, just released on Apple TV Plus. We've got Tetris, starring Taryn Egerton. Is it Egerton or Edgerton? Uh, I think it's Egerton. Okay, let's go for Egerton. Never a hundred percent. And for the slightly older film, we've gone for the Social Network, with the theme being that they're, you know tech-related uh, stories about the sort of behind-the-scenes, the, the the boardroom bickering, the rights arguments about uh, two eventual tech giants in their early stages. And they're quite interesting that they both kind of echo a, not a similar, well, a similar story, but in, they come at it in very different ways. Very so different ways. To talk about totally it. very, angry. very different. Absolutely. Do you want to take on Tetris? Tell us about yes, Tetris. Yes, sure. So Tetris is the story of Hank Rogers, who is not the creator of Tetris, but when he is at the uh, Las Vegas uh, Las Vegas uh, video game and tech show, and he's trying to promote a game of his that just isn't going. He lives in Japan. He's um, a Dutch-American who lives in Japan. He uh, is the head of this video game studio. He keeps trying to peddle these games. He has a sort of wheeler-dealer, Delboy-esque quality about him. Um, no one's buying. And then he comes across Tetris, and he buys the arcade and video game rights in Japan, before realizing that he has been absolutely screwed over, he, they, the person he was buying the rights from didn't have the rights to actually sell them. So now he has to go and find the person responsible, responsible for making the game, which is a guy called Alexei Pajitnov. I think that pronunciation is right. And he has to go to the USSR. It's the early 80s. It's at the crumb, starting to cracks in the armor of the USSR. Uh, the armor is... Back is... in the US, back in the USSR. <laughs> do, 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 That's do, enough do, of the Beatles. Thank you, Paul McCartney. Um, and he has to negotiate the rights to this game for not just the uh, video game and not just the uh, arcade, but also the handheld rights, because he's been shown by Nintendo of America the handheld rights of the the handheld uh, console just about to release, the Game Boy. And it becomes this titanic... Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Um, Becomes this titanic struggle between him, the Soviets, and a different uh, video game company that's trying to snake him. Uh, So, Johnny, what did you think of Tetris? I enjoyed it. Um, it, how would I describe it? Um, it's quite unique, but also very safe at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite an interesting story. Uh, it's, it's told in a fairly dynamic way. Um, although shot, it's shot in a very, um, Marv Studios way. <laughs> although it's not actually directed by, what's his name? It's, Gone on my head. Oh, um, um, Matthew Vaughan. Matthew Vaughan. Yeah, it's no, not it's actually directed John by Matthew S. Vaughan. Baird. But it is produced by Matthew Vaughan. It looks very Matthew Vaughan-esque. Um, bad lighting. Um, Taron Egerton's excellent. There's some really good other performances in there as well. Um, I'm sure Callum will talk to you later about Roger uh, <laughs> Allen. Yes, I will. Um, and his... He's plays the, the the other video games company that's trying to snake him is um is uh, Mirasoft, which is owned by Robert Maxwell and his idiot son Kevin. Um and Roger Allen plays Kevin uh, doesn't play Kevin, he plays um Robert uh, Robert Maxwell, uh hamming the place up, which is mm-hmm. great fun. 
um he he even though it broke my rule of not people not wearing fat suits um i i, I will allow it this time uh he was quite good fun in that regard um yeah it's just it's funny fast-paced romp that tells the story very well um it doesn't do anything excellently but it does everything well and a few things a level above well um, and for that, yeah, it's just really enjoyable. If you just want, again, it's a bit of a Sunday afternoon film. If you want some fun Sunday afternoon film, educates a bit as well. Um, I think it's worth a watch. It's interesting you should use that phrase, I'll let it slide this time for the fat suit. Because that's pretty much what I was feeling the whole movie. Because I was trying to wonder, because there's a lot of similarities between this and Argo. They take a historical text and completely Hollywoodize it with car chases and rushes to the airport and and <laughs> all these kind of various things. And I was kept thinking, why does it not bother me here? But it did bother me in Argo. And I think that because Argo answer, takes itself seriously and exactly, this doesn't. <laughs> the answer is tone. It's absolutely yeah. tone. Whereas this is a cartoon. Uh, Argo's trying to take itself very seriously and a lot of other of these films that take historical facts and twist them to make Hollywood films that wants to be very serious it wants to be taken very seriously it wants to win awards this is a romp this is a cartoon about Mm. a chancer a childlike chancer who's trying to pull one over on the adults and uh, Johnny will know that one of my favorite tv shows is a tv show called Psych and I've been I'm midway through a binge through a a rewatch of Psych at the moment and I watched it between a sandwich of psych episodes. And tonally, the two are kind of exactly the same about a big kid who's trying to screw over the mean old adults who are all hamming it up and all shouting their dialogue and all the Russians are really Russian. Uh, you cannot have the game, that, all that kind of stuff. And Roger Allen, who is hamming it up, is very much in, uh, no boy, you will negotiate with me. And everybody is playing it to 11. Get to the jet and go to Russia. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just to talk a little bit about Roger Allen, I don't want to kind of derail (laughs) this, but I was so happy, so happy to see him play another villain because I know how badly he wanted it, but I won't go into that one story that I know about Roger Allen again because fans of the show will know it. Um, But yeah, so because it plays it like a cartoon, it's exactly the right tone to play it. And I thought the first half an hour was excellent. It just kept skipping along. There was no dead wood. It lost a little bit of its pace after about the half an hour mark. It was still very entertaining after that point. But once he went to Russia, I felt that it, slack, it got a bit slack. Not too much, but a little bit. And the pace wasn't nearly quite so fun and fast. It was probably 10 minutes too long, I reckon. Yeah. I, which isn't too bad in the modern film world. And even with the kind of fact that I really didn't mind all the Hollywood convolutions, I did think by the end they piled up just a little bit too high. We could have done without the car chase, you know? And uh, there were a couple of times where I found myself thinking, okay, I get it, but calm down. You're at an 11. I need you at a 9. And But otherwise... It's very fun. It has a fantastic lead performance from this very childlike, very enthusiastic performance by Taron Egerton. That man can do no wrong. He can play any tone. I haven't seen the TV show Blackbird yet, also on Apple TV+, Plus, but I've heard he's excellent in that. I've heard he's been having a very good kind of couple of years. So I'm really happy about it. Uh, yeah, so really anything about um, Tetris is that it, it's fun. It knows exactly where to play it knows exactly where to play its stories it knows it's cliched it knows it's kind of dumb and you know any little bit of smarts that are in there 
you know, like, oh, the Soviet Union, it's crumbling. It doesn't really care. It's just, you know, it's almost, that's almost like a prop. We have mm. to do the smart bits now. But yeah, no, it's everything about it is really fun, really zippy. I also, uh, yeah, I'm intrigued to know how much of the, the, um, uh, how much of the stuff with Robert Maxwell is true as well. Cause the, the way they kind of like, um, for anyone who doesn't know, so Robert Maxwell used to own a massive media conglomerate in the UK. He was kind of almost like, the left wing um Rupert Murdoch mm-hmm. um famously owned the mirror was his biggest kind of asset which used to be the the the, the sun in the UK is the the right wing death star um and the the mirror is the the left wing equivalent um but he's got a lot of in, he's got had a lot of kind of links to some would argue communism and also had quite a lot of links to Israel um in another way some people say he was a secret agent how much of that's true i don't know but he yeah anyway he he was a um very successful businessman for a long a lot of years and then he um and then all of a sudden his some of his businesses started not doing so well uh, and banks decided they didn't want to lend him any more money so he started taking money from the company pension fund and when that all kind of came out, uh, the company started to collapse. And the kind of the storyline on that, this film pins on the fact that he's tr- desperately trying to get some money and he sees lots of money in Tetris. Um, but I don't know how true that is. <laughs> I, I would imagine not much of it, but uh, it doesn't no. matter again because it's, we just want to. It's silly, a, isn't it? It's we a silly want a, film. A hissable for villain. fun people. Yeah. Um, and uh, John S. Baird, who is the filmmaker, he directed Stan and Ollie, uh, which similarly you know both films take liberties with their history mm. in order to tell a story that's sort of fun entertaining and tells a kernel of truth yeah and i think this guy knows about the tone he's striking with his last few films he knows where to draw that line and i think that's important to know how far mm-hmm. up against the line to go and know that if you play the tone just right people will forgive you and in fairness to it it's very clear from the first frame it says tetris and then it comes a whole blank screening a black screen and goes based on a true story mm-hmm. it doesn't say this is a true story and with it or, this stuff is... like um level one level two it, it yeah. knows that it's doing something when when they have the car chase scenes like all these little blocks appear on the cars mm-hmm. to make them look like tetris cars and things i have to say that was one of my slight um grievances with the film is that so you get these uh Inter- interludes because of course they couldn't afford to film it's quite a globe hopping movie they go to seattle yeah. las vegas japan probably all vancouver no it's all uh, glasgow which is oh is it okay, which okay, is the there. british of vancouver you know <laughs> oh, yeah or, or some would say the british soviet russia <laughs> yeah um, from a visual point of view glasgow yeah well, exactly uh, so, glasgow, so glasgow and liverpool are the countries you go to are the uh, cities you go to in the uk if you want to, it to be somewhere else but um because they're all big old stone buildings exactly uh, but Either that or, or, or 60s kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Bre- like well, uh, brutalist, yeah. yeah, monstrosity. So uh, in order to kind of uh, paint over those cracks, they'll have um, these interludes, these transitions that are done in video game-esque graphics. And sometimes they're completely animated and they're really good. And sometimes when they actually can film, have an, a traditional um, establishing shot, they just paint over in this overlay they show you the building with pixels over the top of it and then they fizzle out and you see the real building. I wish they were just stuck to one or the other. I don't know why it's a minor thing. 
I kind of thought that through the film, though. I kind of thought that they um, uh, had lots of that that kind of that kind of stuff. They they were like, oh, we've forgotten about it for twenty minutes. We can afford to film this scene, and then they were yes. like, oh, we bring it back now. It's useful. And I kind of think what they'd be better doing is tr- try to go right. We need to have one of these shots every three minutes, or we need to have like a door turns pixelated when someone yes, slams yes, it, or something, you know, have just to, to have it more through the film, not just when it's plating the obvious. They're trying to do it because they haven't got the budget to do the thing that they'd like to do. And it, one thing that is nice is that most of the Russian characters are played by Russian actors. Mm. Most of the Japanese act- uh, characters are played by Japanese actors. And it makes it's a small thing, but like if you're watching you know, it's this... It's quite a big thing, really, because a lot of historically, yeah. going back 10, 20, 30 years, that hasn't always happened. And Well, quite. And if you're uh, a Russian person watching this, it would be appreciated to not hear a, someone doing a bad Russian accent yeah. and uh, doing a ba- someone doing a bad Japanese accent. You know, for in terms of clu- inclusivity for audiences from all over the world, because most studios just think about Britain and, and America. They don't care about the rest of the world. So who cares if the accent's wrong? It's nice to have that someone doing a little bit of uh, homework just in order to kind of keep the keep everybody sweet yeah uh, i think that's that's fair enough um but no other than that I, I think i agree with you on things like the car chases and stuff they were a bit uh, uh, they when i said that this film is a film that's kind of not like anything else but also plays it very safe they're very safe in that they, they have a car chase then they have a scene of the, him the guy rushing through the airport and you know that they're going to get on the plane. You know that they're going yeah. to get through. But they they cut it in such a way that it try, it's almost like watching a reality TV show where they cut it to try and make it look like they were, they're seconds apart when you know that's not possible. Like they'd have been caught if they were seconds apart. Well, exactly. You know, it's the large places. It, it can't, they can't hide them that, like that. No, no. No, I agree. I think overall it's fun. It's worth watching, but not perfect. Yeah, it's fun, zippy. Yeah, you're going to have a good time watching it. And and I think that's the thing. It's fun. Totally, it's fun. It knows how to play that. And that's a big saving grace for it. Absolutely. Right. Well, I think that probably takes us to the end of Tetris and gives us time for a little advertisement break. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. 
And we are back from that advertisement. Don't you dare say anything about buying well, for a dollar. I'll buy that for you. a dollar. No. <laughs> right. You lose your microphone for a bit. <laughs> You're such a bully. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, you don't learn. Well, so we you should stand learn. up to bullies. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. And um, when it's for your own good, you shouldn't. Anyway. I think this is battered wife syndrome. <laughs> Well, I'm doing it for the podcast, Callum. I'm sure you are, yeah. I'm sure that's exactly why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that, um, you know, Stanley Kubrick had to make Shelley Duvall's hair fall out. He he could have just hired a better actor. Wow. But that's, That's, you know... That's a bit harsh on Shelley. Well, someone that he didn't need to, you know, yell at in order to get that performance, certainly. How's David O. Russell ever supposed to get a good performance out of an actor if he doesn't make them want to headbutt him? I mean, yeah. how how can he get uh, great performances out of Oscar-nominated and Oscar-winning actors? It beggars belief. I know. I know. What a hard life, David O. Russell. I know. Anyway. Anyway. On to the second movie, which is The Social Network. Um... The Social Network is a movie about the founding of MySpace and about MySpace Tom. I'd love to see that movie. Um, I feel like it's coming. If they're doing a Blackberry one this year, I feel like it's a MySpace one I think the MySpace movie would be a nice guy set up a company and then he sold it. The end. And then Justin Timberlake bought it and nothing happened. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Speaking of Justin Timberlake. Wow. Um, the social network is about the founding of Facebook and particularly centers on the story of Mark Zuckerberg, Eduardo Saron, and the Winklevoss twins. I can't remember their first names. Um, who all laid claim to the founding of Facebook in some way or another. Obviously, Mark Zuckerberg being the most famous and leading light. Um, the film starts off with them at college when they were. Well, I'll leave it up to you all to decide who you think founded Facebook, but when they all had their reasonings for thinking they founded Facebook. Uh, And then um, kind of continues on as Facebook grows, uh, and then on to the courthouse as they all duke it out in this Aaron Sorkin, talky-walky script. What did you think, Callum? Well, of course, this is you know a near masterpiece it's probably one of the best movies of the uh, early 2010s if if not the entire decade and it's also the blueprint movie like there wouldn't be a tetris there wouldn't be a blackberry there wouldn't be any of these films without this film this is the film that sort of made because i remember when the trailer came out people were joking about this film like the founding of facebook the movie uh yeah jog on you know and even after that really great trailer came out with the um uh, cover of creep by uh, radiohead there was <laughs> exactly. uh, there were still people going facebook movie who no one wants to see that and then it, it came out are you done yeah okay so because i'm a creep You'll have to get someone else to co-host this with. I'm a loser. <laughs> okay. What am I doing? I guess this is revenge. 
Okay, so yeah, so it's the blueprint movie. You know, there wouldn't be uh, this. Oh my God, (laughs) this upcoming BlackBerry film uh, and all those films. But what this film is sort of it does better than all the. I don't don't. (laughs) So what this film does better than all of its predecessors is that it has such a tight command on the turns of events, the characters, what they're doing here, there, and everywhere, because it's such a very knotty and complicated with all the various players <laughs> in all their various places. But of course, this is an Aragon Sorkin script, but that doesn't necessarily mean a great film. Like if anyone saw The Trial of the Chicago 7, you know that he can indulge in in uh, sentiment in a way that's utterly cheesy and very 90s so he's not immune to it so i think he needs a good collaborator he, he's a screenwriter who needs a director that sort of gets him like uh diablo cody and uh, jason reitman have a special thing that works only sort of when they're together and never apart i think that uh david finch's steely controlled filmmaking is exactly kind of what the doctor ordered for this this dialogue because i remember there's a story that came out about the film where it was running too long the script was something like 170 pages and they said okay well just talk fast and it makes for something it's always clear it's never bamboozling you never kind of find yourself lost even though people are talking especially um the jesse eisenberg talking a mile a minute but you ne- you're never lost because Everybody is so focused, and that's what David Finch's direction has. It's focus. It's the, we were talking about it a little bit with the Boston Strangler, where that was sort of an imitation. And what it was lacking was sort of the the why. You know, why ta- do that shot in that focused way, that stylized, controlled way? Here is the why. It's because it, it's about tone, and it's about uh, the consistency and tone when suddenly he'll take a step out and show you something that's quite of a a bit of an outburst like when uh, andrew garfield as eduardo towards the end after he's been uh, screwed over and the uh, facebook rights have been taken away when he smashes the laptop and says what about now you plugged in now and in you know uh, david finch is really clever about finding moments to punctuate that steeliness that 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 control the the rigidness he he knows exactly when to play it when to not and aaron sorkin is the guy to do it with him um so johnny uh, what did you think i know i think i remember you being a huge fan of this yeah i would actually say it's probably in my top five movies of all time wow um i really adore it from the opening bars of ball and a biscuit by the white stripes to the closing bars of if i were a rich man by the beatles was it or rich man Anyway, baby, you're a rich man. Yeah, baby, you're a rich man. That's the name. Um, yeah, I just really love every second of it. Um, I think it's near perfect again. Uh, is the only scene I can think I still like it, but I think maybe it doesn't feel totally right for the rest of the film. Is the um, the yacht race and the not the yacht, the the whatever they're called, the rowing race in the middle. Um, but uh, yeah it's just it's kind of weird tilt shift photography but it still works it works it's interesting um but other than that i think all the acting's perfect i think i i, I love aaron sorkin for cards on the table and david finch is probably my favorite working director so yeah it was, it was always going to to go well for me i think <laughs> like, um but no i visually love it um it was also the, i think the first film that trent Reznor and atticus ross did the soundtrack to 
it's a soundtrack that's in uh, I, I listen to quite a lot of soundtrack albums and it's one that's it's on constant repeat for me um yeah i think the script marries up perfectly with the filming style with the acting style um uh, i don't think i think every single movement of the camera is so done so purposefully and for such so you know exactly what the characters are thinking so you know um you know it's it's like it's you know it has that kind of leveled approach of um uh, yeah, if you really understanding what every person does in it, I think it's a travesty. It didn't win the Oscar for Best Picture in 2011, personally. Um, oh, uh, I think it was the King's Locker? Speech. No, oh, the King's, King's speech. speech. Fucking hell! What a pile of shit! I know. Compared to this, so annoyed about that still. Yeah, like what a pile of shit! I, I don't get me wrong. The King's Speech is a watchable movie. I know you probably don't mm. class it as a watchable movie. <laughs> I hate it. It is a watchable movie and it's fine, but it's not the fucking social network, which is, like, as you say, it's a template. Every film about technology, which there's a lot of now because of the world, um, every film, um, every TV series about technology visually looks like the social network, s- steals the social network's soundtrack. You know, the, they all tried to chase the scripting of the social network. Again, it's a massive shame that... Um, the two of them were going to do uh, the Steve Jobs movie. And then, although I don't really like the st- structure of the script, I think it's one of Aaron Sorkin's poorest. But um, yeah, it's a shame they didn't do that because I think that would have looked much better if it had been done by um, by David Fincher. Um, yeah, I don't have much negative about it. It's got, and pretty much everyone in it was a B-lister at the time as well, or a C-list actor. There wasn't yeah, there really were any... B-lister, a C-lister. J- Justin or... Timberlake, but Justin Timberlake wasn't known for acting. He was an point. A-lister in another field, certainly. Um, yeah. Yeah, there were B-listers, C-listers, or up-and-comers. You know, they were yeah. all people who would emerge soon after the fact. And because of this movie, yes. a lot of them. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a masterpiece. Um, I've probably seen it 10 times. Every time I watch it, I just love it. Um, when I rewatched it, because um, when I when I first watched it, it was uh, it felt so young and youthful, and because you know it was made in 2010, we would have been 20. This is pretty much uh, indicative of the the 2010s, like uh, you know it, it sort of you know it is sort of that model film when you think about what was young, what were young people doing and talking like in 2010 that's how it looked and i wondered if it had aged at all and if it because you know that's a problem with films about um youth is that they often often starts to look old-fashioned quite quickly because when trends change and it doesn't just because there's, there's always going to be stories about young men who are ambitious fucking each other over and that's what this focuses in rather than specific language being used or specific slang being used or even the fact that you know facebook is kind of the place now where you find your racist aunt it's not where the hip young people are but this story (laughs) is going to be the story of tiktok you know i know that's in the courts right now for various shenanigans it's going to be the story it is sort of is the story of twitter behind the scenes it's the story about, about all these things they're going to have their rise they're going to have their peak they're going to have their fall and then something else where the young people will be will take it over. So it doesn't matter if this is about Facebook and people were wearing those 2010 hoodies and those fuck you flip flops, as Eduardo says. It doesn't matter if fa- fashion's changed. This is always going to be relevant to whatever generation of social network or not even social network, whatever young uh, startup is out there um causing trouble 
another thing David Fincher does very well, not just in this film, but um, you know, in most of his films, is the one scene cameo scene stealer. And in this film, it's Rooney Mara. And you know, Rooney Mara, again, is one of those young actors who would go on to have a huge career because of this. In David Fincher movies in as David well. In David Fincher movies as well. And also casting his her, her sister as yeah. well in um, House of Cards. Yes, Kate, uh, Kate, Kate Mara. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he does that really well. He, Like I said, uh, the thing about David Finch, he's so controlled, but then he'll throw in a zig or a zag and it really throws you off and it makes you not be able to predict it. And one of the things that he, how he does that is by casting people like Rashida Jones, Rooney Mara, who don't have huge roles, but they have significant roles and you remember mm-hmm. them. He, he does these things that punctuate. Even this casting of um, Justin Timberlake, in 2010 was probably that even though his part is it's not small he's the third lead i'd say um he's still someone who like you don't expect justin timberlake you don't expect the spanish inquisition uh but certainly not justin timberlake i didn't take justin timberlake at all seriously as an actor until i saw this movie exactly oh the boy can act exactly and he knows how to throw in something like that that he knows people will be wrong-footed by and it's that wrong footing that really keeps your attention it, it it grabs you and it's actually true about the pace and the um editing as well and the fact that he goes between not just one court battle but but various to tell mm-hmm. a, a jigsaw story so you never quite feel safe because you're never quite sure who's telling the story at that point and whether they're a reliable narrator or not and it's, he's good at doing that he knows how to keep you second guessing throughout the whole thing and that's something that's masterful about his his uh, pacing and his timing, his editing. And it's why I think it's obviously a few good men's up there as well. But it's also why I think it's probably Aaron Sorkin's best script, because again, Aaron Sorkin's always very good at telling stories and could tell layered stories where there's two or three timelines going on at once that connect, but not to this level normally. This like <clears throat> really cuts around and really withholds bits of information for an important character to say in a deposition 20 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour later in the movie for you to go, oh, fuck, let's change my He opinion. needs a director who knows how to control him because otherwise you get a, a solid, uh, really good, often film, but not a masterpiece like Molly's Game, like um, The Trial of the Chicago 7, both of which are really solid, dependable, good movies, but they're just missing that special source. Mm-hmm. And we all know if David Fincher can do something, it's control. Yes, absolutely. Control. I mean, I imagine they must have gone through hundreds of drafts where David Fincher was probably yelling at him, do it right, Aaron! Um, yeah. Like he does to his actors. I'll just do it my fucking self. <laughs> 50 takes. 100 takes. Eat those burgers, Andrew. Uh, not Andrew Garfield. Sorry, no, um, the other, the cannibal. Um, <laughs> Army Hammer. I'm an Army Hammer, that's right. Or uh, smash that laptop, Eduardo. Yeah. Have you ever seen the photo of how many laptops that were no. smashed? <laughs> so David Finch is known for doing millions of takes. And there is just, like, there's a photo of, like, 60 smashed laptops for that scene. <laughs> well, that's my favourite scene in the movie. It's, it, so it certainly worked. It, it was yeah. a good reason for it. Fuck you and your... My, F- sorry, my Prada is in the cleaners. My fuck you flip-flops. My you hoodie, pret- my fuck you flip-flops. You, flip-flops, you, you pretentious, pretentious douchebag. Yeah. What a line. I'm not what coming back for 30%. I'm, I'm coming, coming back, back for, for all of it. 
um, he is so good. He, I, I love Jesse. <laughs> I like does slightly different takes on the the words there. Yeah, as well. I think slightly you know, misremembered lines from one <laughs> or the other. Um, as much as I like Jesse Eisenberg, completely deserved his Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, Best supporting actor should have gone to not just been nominated, but should have Andrew gone Garfield. to Andrew Garfield. He is stupendous in this film. It's so good. And for Rooney Mara, when she's um, absolutely cheering Abs- out Mark absolutely. as well, she should have got Best Supporting. Yeah, absolutely. Actress. In a way, their jobs are harder because Jesse Eisenberg, he can do that. But, you know, That's a role he can play. Pretentious mm-hmm. intellectual uh, who's also really steely and unemotional. That's and Jesse kind Eisenberg. of looks a little bit like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Although... I think, um, yeah, Jesse Eisenberg could be seen as the slightly handsomer version of Mark Zuckerberg, definitely. I think that's fair. But anyway, moving on. But no, I, I think, yeah, I, I really, there's very little to fault in this movie. And if you haven't seen it, where the fuck have you been? Go and watch it now on Netflix. If you, you have must seen be it, living under a rock. Again. Anyway, I think that probably brings us to the end of our review. To a close, a nice wrap-up. So, Callum... What did you think of Tetris? Tetris is very fun. I wish that the preceding hour and a half after the first hour, uh, after the first half hour, was as tight as that first half hour, where he's kind of laying out his plan on how he's going to go to Russia and buy this game. Because that first half an hour was like, oh, this is so tight and fun. And then it slacks a bit. So if it was, that would have been better. But as it stands, good solid 7 out of 10. Nothing default. Great lead performance. Lots of fun. Reminds me of one of my favorite TV shows. So um, yeah, 7 out of 10. Good, solid stuff. I think I probably agree. I think it's funny. Um, I think it's, for the most part, well-paced, minus a little sag in the middle. I think Taryn's great and very enjoyable. I think there's some great hammy acting around it. Um, I kind of like what they do visually with it, um, if it forgets it at points. So yeah, I think I'll give it a 7 as well. Nice. And for The Social Network... Well, it's one of the best movies of the 2010s. I'm not sure I'm quite saying that it's the best top 10 movies like Johnny is, but uh, it's certainly... I, it's my in my top five movies well, of all time. I'm not saying it's go. the five best, but my five, top five movies of all time. Yeah, well, quite. I mean, it's certainly one of the best of the decade. So, yeah, it's an easy 10. Um, everything about it works. It's the both creators working on their best instincts. And it seems like they are the kind of right screenwriter, so the right talent for the other one. So um, an Aaron Sorkin screenplay as controlled by David Fincher is always going to be the kind of tightest that they both can be. And it brings out the best in both of them. So yeah, easy 10 there. And yeah, I think so too. Um, I think it brought a lot of new creative talent to the table as well. Um, it was nice to see um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross doing the soundtrack too. Cinematography is amazing. I don't know who did the cinematography for this film, actually. But I've got, I, I, from my head, it feels like the first time that Fincher went that full kind of digital look. It was certainly more kind of digital looking than, than Ben Button, um, which was, I think, the previous movie, uh, yes, which did win Oscars and shouldn't have won Oscars. This is if you want if anyone wants a reasons why it's like Scorsese winning for The Departed. The Oscars are stupid, and they always give Oscars to the wrong movies. But anyway, um, yeah, it's so well acted. The script is great. I couldn't cut a minute out of it. I don't think maybe the minute with the boat race. Um, yeah, perfect. Ten out of ten. 
I can tell you who the cinematographer is. It's um, Jeff Cronenworth. Uh, it's not a name I know. What else have they done? Uh, well, tell me. Also done a bunch, or, well, pretty much all of um, um, what's his face, uh, Gone Girl, Social Network, uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Fight Club. Before that, Fight Club. Um, well, those are the ones that it puts to the front. A lot of music videos, um, a lot of well, a lot, a lot of teeth. music videos, uh, and a few other films like uh, Hitchcock in 2012, um, which is pretty good. I like that film. I can't remember much about the cinematography in that film. Oh, Down With Love. That's a very stylized movie. I like that It's a very stylized movie, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. No, I think, uh, so yeah, we've agreed on both films pretty much this yeah. week. Yeah. Seven out of ten and a ten out of ten. So go watch them both. But if you haven't seen Social Network, go watch it now. And I, I think, think I think you'll like uh, Tetris a lot. It's goofy, silly fun. And it's a good time to get, and we're not sponsored by Apple Plus, although if they, they're listening and they want to sponsor me, I'm quite happy to take Apple's money. They've taken it off of mine over the years, that's for sure. Hey-o! Um, um, it's a good time to get Apple Plus as the new series of Ted Lasso is just starting, which if you haven't seen is great. Um, the, there's a new series called Shrinking from the creators of Ted Lasso on there with um, Jason Segel and... Um, uh, what's his name, Mr. Grumpy? Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Um, which was, is really good, really enjoyable. Schmigadoon's second series, Schmigargo, is coming out. Um, so yeah, it's a good time to get a couple months of Apple Plus in there if you do what we tend to do and swap your streamers around to have some different things at different times of the year. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it seems to be a good time to get it. So yeah, no worries. Well, everyone, have a fantastic week. And I think that's bye from me. And bye from me. Have a good one. Later, bye. bye.